0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Chris Nicholson. He's the chief executive officer and co-founder of M-Pulse Mobile the leader in conversational AI solutions for the healthcare industry. It's an incredible work that Chris and his team does over there. They're driving to improve health outcomes and business efficiencies by engaging individuals with tailored and meaningful dialogue. Chris has over two decades of healthcare and technology leadership experience from prominent Fortune 100 companies such as Humana and Verizon. Prior to joining Impulse, Chris spent over a decade in strategic leadership roles at Humana, most recently as a VP and COO of wellness with responsibility for managing 200 million plus P&L and integrating five acquired companies to build the second largest wellness company in the U.S. Previously, Chris led Humana's strategic consultancy division, an enterprise shared services team focused on accelerated business transformation and cross-departmental collaboration. As a leader of product development and innovation teams, Chris developed patented communication solutions that received industry-wide recognition and awards, and more importantly, improved the healthcare experience of millions of consumers. Today, it's it's more important than ever in this increasing uh, healthcare consumer-focused health life that we're all living, that we do pay more attention and get better at these communications. And Chris has a ton of insights that we're going to dive into today about the conversational AI and the innovations that they're doing over there at Impulse Mobile. So with that introduction, I just want to welcome Chris to the podcast. Chris, pleasure to have you here.
1: Excellent, Saul. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, the intro and sharing some of the background and then more importantly i think thank you for you know creating a forum where you know leaders and you know teams can collaborate and share information with others so thank you for doing that first and foremost
0: hey i really appreciate that chris yeah it's 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 been a lot of fun and man i'm so excited to dive into the wonderful work that you guys are doing and so if i miss something about the company that maybe you want to highlight before we get into the the content here I'd love for you to do that, just so that the listeners could get to know you and the and the company better.
1: Absolutely, no, thank you for that. Um, I think the only additional comments I would add, you know, really worth highlighting, is you mentioned the focus on conversational AI, you know, the technology, and really how we're leveraging that in a way to improve engagement and really um, wider access for different healthcare populations we're servicing today. Uh, members across segments in Medicare, Medicaid, commercial. Uh, med supply, you know, pharma, pop health and wellness, um, a really wide array of companies in the sector uh, focused on enterprise scale, and uh, we are fully HIPAA compliant, high trust certified, all of the wonderful things that we need to do to operate in the healthcare setting, and we're doing this at scale, which I think is most important as we talk about you know, relevancy, is that we'll actually deliver over 200 million digital engagements in uh, 2019. And so when you think about, you know, reach and access, we're learning a lot through each of those interactions that makes our platform better, smarter, um, and improves the engagement with our health plan and uh, provider partners. So, yeah, thank you for that additional background and being able to share that.
0: Chris, that's impressive. 200 million per year. (laughs) And just at the core of these technologies, it takes data, right? And lots of it to get better. So I can't imagine the improvements you guys are making every year.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I've got a lot of outcomes that I can share with you um, across the board. And I think first off is the platform does get smarter, right, through each interaction. Um, that's the beauty of AI, is that every time we have a dialogue with an individual, we learn about you know, the sentiment of that response, we learn about the preferences of the individual. You know, We're using that across healthcare use cases, such as driving RX refill rate improvements for diabetes populations, and had over 14% lift there. We're reducing unnecessary emergency remuneration by 5%, driving 21% uh, improvement in HRA completions through interactive messaging. And so all of the data that comes in to the platform informs not only that particular conversation, but then builds a profile around that individual that says, I know how to communicate better with Saul the next time we have an interaction. Um, And then that creates wisdom within the platform and allows us to continue to improve Um, As we go forward, just like you and I would have a conversation or dialogue is we're going to take back and remember important notes about that and bring that back into future conversations as well.
0: That is just brilliant. And it's that type of precision care that I think a lot of people are looking for and getting access to that is key. So what is it that inspires your work in in healthcare, Chris?
1: Yeah, great question. I thought about it a little bit on the inspiration side, and I think it goes all the way back uh, to when I was a kid. I've always been obsessed with communications technology. My father actually worked for a telco, was at Cincinnati Bell Telephone. And I remember just being so excited when like cordless phone came, you know, you know, the cordless phone came yeah. out or video conferencing or mobile phones. And, and, you know, those were big innovations at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, through my career, as I moved through, you know, healthcare and working at companies like Humana. And Verizon are always connecting, you know, those two things back together that just says there's got to be a better way to communicate and engage this population um, and technology becomes that enabling capability to do so. And so for me, the inspiration has always just come from, you know, uh, and seeing people adopt and leverage technology for the better good. And so I've just been blessed, I think, in my career that I've been able to see um, a lot of successes where, you know, companies and partners that we worked with have been able to uh, to get benefits from that.
0: That's so great. and and you you've had a really interesting career chris i mean you've had senior roles and and you you just done you've done such a great job what would you say is one thing that held you back in the past that you've conquered
1: yeah i think there's a lot of urban legends or myths around communications and engagement a lot of people you know you heard that you know they tell themselves a story right and then once you've told yourself that story you believe it And there are myths around what you can and can't communicate over mobile, for example. So many people are following guidelines from when fax machines were the new technology 30 years ago Mm -hmm. around what you can send out over those communications uh, modalities. And so we've spent the last several years really focused on just educating companies around the true guidelines, what are the regulations, how are populations engaging. There are a lot of myths that we've had to um, conquer around uh, populations where people say, You know, low-income members, uh, maybe in a Medicaid plan, don't have access to mobile. And the reality is that they actually engage over mobile at a rate two to one compared to other socioeconomic uh, factors. Or people say, you know, seniors over 65 don't engage over mobile communications. And the reality is 87% do. And so, you know, those are the types of things that I think we just deal with a lot of, uh, again, those sort of urban legends that we need to you know, illustrate through data and illustrate through outcomes what the successes actually are.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, Chris. There's a lot of assumptions.
1: I said that's a good way to put it, the assumptions, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, what I was going to say is that I, there's one thing that I always tell my teams is, what are the first three letters of assumption? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you got to dig I, deep and that data is is critical. <laughs> it's critical. So and, yeah. And having the the experience and the success that you've had, Chris, I mean, you're a great example of why everybody listening to this should question assumptions and and dig deep in your career. Who's a mentor that's made a big impact in your life and what did they teach you?
1: Yeah, great question and and, uh, appreciate the context. I think the person that stands out for me, I had the pleasure of meeting once for probably only about 20 minutes, but was uh, John Potter, who is a uh, Harvard professor and has written several books on leadership and change management and has been really, um, I think a good guide as I've read a lot of his books as well. To me, I think one of the things that we all need to learn from is agility and really understanding change management, regardless of what business you're in, personal life, professional life, et cetera, is the fact that things are going to continue to change and the more resilient you are, the more agile you are about um, accepting and really understanding how that can be used to your advantage. Um, is key. And I think John Cotter, he wrote a simple book, which is a fable called Our Iceberg is Melting. And I require it for as a read for all of my leaders, because it's talking about, we need to really think about how change impacts us and what we can do to be really proactive and actually playful, knowing that it's coming as well. So yeah, that's one that I think, you know, love John Cotter and the work that he's done over the years.
0: Man, that's a great recommendation. Our iceberg is melting. Agility is key. It's a great one to take away. Appreciate that, Chris. You bet. And So what do you believe is one of the biggest challenges in healthcare today?
1: You know, I, I hate to use sort of a common one, but I, it really comes down to uh, cost to the consumer. You know, they continue to pay more and more each year, but the quality and access to services continues to be more limited and less effective. And so, you know, I think the strategy that we all need to employ to Improve the quality of care at you know a more efficient rate. We spend more per capita in the U.S. on healthcare than virtually any other you know country in the world, but our health outcomes actually aren't comparably higher, right? So you would think if we spent five times as much on healthcare, that our outcomes would be five times better. But the reality is that actually infant mortality rate, um, diabetes, weight issues, smoking, you know, uh, cessation challenges, like all of these things are actually at a much higher rate here in the U.S. than the other markets, and so you know, we're missing something, we're spending more, but we're still not getting the outcomes that we need to drive.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And I mean, and and the question is, why? Why is that yeah. happening? Right. And why, why do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that as I've been inside large health systems and, you know, large organizations, I think there's so much legacy work that's been built, and it's just so hard to move away from those. And I think mm-hmm. about, Improvements in technology and process, that should eliminate a lot of that price escalation and those are the intent of these different tools. You know, But billions of dollars are invested each year in integration work and, and just really trying to connect to these older legacy systems. Companies will sign up to uh, put in a new EHR system, for example, and spend billions of dollars to do that. And so yeah. you know, the capital requirements to sort of move to new technology is just daunting. And then the lifespan of how long it takes to actually implement that is so long that people really lose sight of what the actual benefits are. And so it's interesting to see some of these new health plans and newer companies that are being created because they're not carrying all that baggage that has to get undone. And they seem to be moving much more quickly and getting the results that people are looking for. So it seems like a space where you almost have to sort of like wipe the board off and start from scratch to be able to be successful and, and drive the right outcomes.
0: So, uh, you know, you've obviously been working to increase that customer satisfaction. And I'm wondering what you think is what holds people back from overcoming this or businesses?
1: Yeah, I think the thing that holds people back is fear of failure, honestly. You know, I can't tell you how many people in my career that I've connected with that that really, I think, feel and have the insights that what they're about to do is the right thing but they're afraid hmm. from a career perspective, or they're um, afraid, you know, making a decision that may not be as effective as they believe. And so they don't do anything, right? A great analogy is the, uh, the people talk about, there's three types of people in this world, right? There's the people that make things happen, right? Hmm. Like yourself, and hopefully myself, right? As we, yes. we get out there and we drive change, we try to make things happen. Then there's the people that that watch what happens, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That are the ones that are observing and, and sort of, you know, slightly participating. And then there's the people that really don't know what's going on. That basically are the ones that just, what well, they, they wonder what happened. Right. That's <laughs> and funny. so you know, to me, yeah, that's the thing that, you know, is holding them back is people are just sort of putting themselves in these categories that just aren't willing to step up and actually drive the change and see it through to, to completion. So I hate, to, I hate to put it on ourselves, but it's, it's people. <laughs> no, it
0: is. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And, and so You guys are obviously doing a good job of of helping folks overcome this challenge. Give us an example of how you and your company, Chris, have have worked with organizations to improve on this problem.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll give a couple examples of how we're leveraging this conversational AI capability um, coupled with what we call natural language understanding mm-hmm. and then the mix of, you know, talented people, right, you know, to help develop strategies and, and behavioral uh, workflows to build communications, right? And so it's the science behind the communication um, that drives that. And so a couple of examples, you know, I mentioned a little bit, which is in, you know, diabetes management, for example, or refill rates is, you know, we're helping large partners like Kaiser Permanente, Humana, and others work on, you know, diabetes prevention programs for medication adherence and those refill rates. Mm -hmm. And because we're leveraging those two-way interactive conversations, we've driven over a 14 percentage point lift and improvement there. Um, Thank you. And things like HRA completions, which is very significant for uh, Medicaid and Medicare populations, um, getting members to take that survey so that the health plan can actually capture data back um, about a particular individual, learn about health beliefs, learn about health conditions that they may have, and it's really a tough thing because they were sending letters that people would fill in, you know, by hand. Trying to do outbound live phone calls, we actually shifted over to a digital modality to do that over a secure messaging interaction with our Activate Intelligence product, and we got a 21% lift in HRA completions, which is significant revenue driver for uh, those health plans. We've also um, helped focus on the operational side with a tool we call the Engagement Console that allows for customer service agents to interact directly and have one-to-one conversations with an individual uh, driving about a 14 percentage point improvement in operations costs. And the subtleties I'll sort of break down for you in that from a, a tech perspective is, if I'm having a dialogue with you over SMS, for example, and the old response is, can you, will you make your appointment? You know, yes or no, and you know, text one for yes or two for no. But what we learned over time was that individuals actually respond on a wide array of, of topics. So they may say, I'm, go- I'm running 20 minutes late. My dog got out, or my car broke mm-hmm. down, or you know, I can't afford a cab to get there today. And so we learn all these things from a, a social determinants of health perspective about a simple question, which is, Hey, can you make your appointment? Right. And so, those are data points that we bring back into the platform uh, to learn and to grow. On the medication adherence side, imagine you know somebody says, you know, yes, I took the medication, but I feel depressed, mm. right? So it's more than just the yes. You have to really understand the context and the relevancy of the conversation, and not be so machine-based in those responses. And so that's what we've tried to do is really add the human element to the conversation, you know, outside of just the technology itself. And that's what we're seeing drive such wonderful outcomes and lift in these particular programs.
0: That's really interesting. And so with the messaging that you guys sent out, send out, it, it's not just a binary yes or no. Do you leave it a little more
1: open-ended to try to get more background? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And because that's what we, we learn so much, what I call between the lines, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the context of the conversation. And so, you know, we'll try to sort of guide the dialogue, right? Or the conversation. But where somebody comes back and they may ask an open ended question or have an open ended response and really tell you a lot about the plan, you know, we're helping people to, you know, for medication adherence to get to pick up their prescriptions from a Kaiser or, you know, a facility like a CDS or someone like that. And what people are doing is they're telling you, you know, well, that they don't have transportation or they can't afford the medication. And then we're able to respond back through the platform in an automated fashion that says, well, did you know there's lower cost alternatives available? You know, you should speak with a clinician about any side effects. Like all those are happening in real time over the conversation. We even accept things like emojis that they respond back with a thumbs up <laughs> or, you know, nice. they say like, uh-huh, or sure, or... Whatever the context may be, even profanity, you know, it's funny, about 14% of people uh, for different programs actually will respond with pro- profanity, but it's not a bad thing. It's just the vernacular of how they're communicating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, say hell, they may say, hell yes, or whatever it is, right? And so, but we just need to communicate on the level that consumers are engaging today. So
0: yeah no that's that's brilliant and being open minded about using conversational ai understanding that there's partners like chris's company to be able to make a difference in what everybody's doing today is 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 inspiring so if you have to summarize your solution to the listener, maybe it's a three step plan, what is that
1: solution Oh, great question. I would probably frame it as Three layers, right, for this three step plan would be um, communicate, engage, and activate. And by that, I mean communicating by developing a strategy, what we actually need to engage in. Two, for the engage layer, is actually building a two way interactive dialogue. And then lastly, activating, which is getting the consumer to do the desired behavior, right? You know, not by, you know, forcing them or, you know, but more steering them and providing the appropriate guidance. And so it sort of steps up from the the core communication layer to creating two-way interactive engagement to then, you know, what is the activation strategy or the desired outcome you're trying to get to? And so I think building those three things, if you can do that with any particular program, I think you're going to have pretty good success.
0: Chris, and a uh, brilliant, and, and so obviously, to every you know plan, there's also pitfalls. what What would you say is the most common pitfall that listeners should be careful to
1: avoid? Yeah, I would come back to your comment earlier about assumptions. assumptions about segments, I think is really critical. We know that the data actually supports a wider view, but again, the pitfall is leveraging maybe what we learned um, five years, six years, eight years ago that we really have to be open and listen and really listen and look at the data that that we're getting on a daily basis.
0: So what
1: action would you
0: want to make the listeners take today? I mean, what what would you say you you have to do this?
1: Yeah, I would shift to a topic around preferences. I don't think we spend enough time and I think all the the listeners on the podcast could benefit from a focus around consumer preferences. And by that, I mean, Hmm. What is the desired channel that a consumer wants to be communicated in what language do they want to be communicated you know in often should we be engaging what topics are they interested in and there's really great ways to ask those questions and learn and then be able to shape the dialogues and the conversation but so often we we sort of make assumptions broadly that you know these are the things they're interested in because of their age or their segment or you know where their zip code is or something like that but um i think the the call to action to me would be listen and ask. <laughs> would be simply stated. I love that. Yeah, it's
0: a it's a great call out, and and we do assume all the time. And and I think just taking a moment to pause and think about what those pitfalls could be will really help us shape that. And and maybe you could highlight a, a couple of those of those pitfalls, Chris. I mean, what could happen? I mean, if if people don't take the time to listen and and do as, you, as you're suggesting?
1: I think they just waste a lot of money, right? And what we've seen you know, in the partners that we've worked with and helping them shift is that you know billions of dollars are spent each year just on outbound letters or outbound you know, statements or things that are sent or communicated to uh, members. And so I think that redirecting you know, those dollars to things that are more effective, again, by asking those questions and, and listening and learning becomes really relevant. And that's going to be the area that I think it's not, we're not spending on top of existing budgets. We're really just redirecting things to what consumers are looking for today.
0: Chris, I, it's such a great point. And I think everybody listening today does not want to waste a bunch of money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, So exactly. we can't, right? We need to be efficient. We need to grow our businesses and uh, we need to help each other all make good decisions, right?
0: Absolutely. And, and so, you, you know, as you think about the things that people could gain from a program like this, what's the biggest thing that is most promising?
1: Yeah, I think um, the learning aspect of understanding who your consumer population is, um, the fact of leveraging these messaging channels, digital, in is all real time, right? So you have the ability to get feedback immediately about a program, about a product you know, about a service that you're providing, then we need to really take advantage of that, right? And so, you know, people today are are very much uh, vocal and social and other channels. Um, we need to make sure that we're really supporting them across the board. And so, you know, I think, you know, leveraging that real-time information, reducing friction for consumers is, will really help us maximize the outcomes that we're all trying to drive.
0: Love that. Some great recommendations here, Chris. What What would you say is the best book that you'd recommend to listeners? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to come back to John Cotter again because I just am huh. going to do a little bit of a promotion for him and um, support uh, our Iceberg is Melting. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you just the, the teaser in there is that the primary characters in the book are penguins. And <laughs> so, Iceberg penguins, I'll let you kind of build your own story or visual in your head. Huh. Uh, but hopefully, that'll be intriguing enough to get some listeners to take a peek.
0: That is interesting. I love it. Great recommendation. I'll definitely be picking it up. I jot down the book the first time, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely picking it up now. What would you say is an internet resource that you'd recommend to the mm-hmm. listeners, mm-hmm. like Evernote or something like that?
1: Yeah. One that I've actually really enjoyed is uh, slideshare.net, if you've ever used huh. that before. No. Slideshare is fabulous because it's sort of an open source where um, individuals, thought leaders, professors, teachers can post presentations. And so it's all PowerPoint, you know, slides effectively on different topics. And so you can say, I'm curious how black holes work. And you literally type in black holes in slideshare.net and you can get resources on that. If you said, gosh, I'd right? like to learn more about conversational AI, and there's people that are have presentations on conversational AI. So uh, yeah, cool. it's a it's a wonderful resource where people just say, "Hey, I put something together. I was proud of it, and I posted it." Um, a lot of conferences and events will post content after sessions um, and put it in SlideShare.net. So it's a great resource to search um, presentations by topic and get some insights from others.
0: Wow do you Do you have any of your stuff up there? Uh, just a few. I need to do oh, a better do. job of posting, but I do have just a few. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Hey, that's a good resource. Did not know about it, folks. If you didn't know about it, slideshare.net for your next research project. So you're not assuming you're you're doing your research. Uh, it's a great, <laughs> great, great resource. Chris, this has been a ton of fun. I, I love if you could just share a closing thought and the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation.
1: Excellent. Uh, I'm going to come back to the comments around uh, communicate, engage and activate, you know, leverage that three step plan for how to engage your population and how to drive the outcomes that you're looking for. And then lastly, just want to say thank you again for hosting such a wonderful forum to bring leaders together um, and share insight. So thanks so much for that All.
0: Hey, it's a pleasure, Chris. And again, just really want to thank you for that. And where can the listeners continue the conversation with you? Can they check out your website, email you? What's the best way to to do that?
1: Absolutely. All of the above. Um, So I'm easy to find on LinkedIn as well, or you can go to www.impulsemobile.com. And that's just the letter M-P-U-L-S-E-M-O-B-I-L-E.com. So feel free to swing by and uh, check out the capabilities. Love it.
0: Chris, thanks so much again for sharing your insights here on conversational AI and
1: how we can improve outcomes with that. Uh, Really appreciate your time. Sounds great. Wonderful. Thank you for hosting and uh, setting it up. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast.